This episode of Sexy Marriage Radio is brought to you by Naked Bed, a sensual sheet designed to help you let go more during your intimate experiences and enjoy all that God's incredible gift of sex and marriage can bring. Made of a luxurious fabric, think of it as lingerie for your bed. It protects your linens from massage oils and other elements, giving you unlimited freedom without distractions. You can be playful, spontaneous, lavish, or exotic, and that can happen anytime with no mess and no fuss. Explore deeper intimacy and embrace the peace of mind that Naked Bed brings. Go to sensualbedding.com, enter the keyword sexy at checkout to receive a free bottle of massage oil. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where straightforward, honest conversations take place on pretty much any topic that needs to be addressed to help married sex be better. Um, And each week we have a variety of different voices that come on on Thursday, and I'm really looking forward to where today's conversation goes because um, our guest today has a lot of great things to say. Um, But before we do that, I want to hear from you because I know the Sexy Marriage Nation has a lot of great things to say. And the way you can let us know what you think is you can give us a phone call on our voicemail line at 214-702-9565 with any kind of questions or feedback or topics you want addressed. You can also email us, feedback at sexymergeradio.com. And if you like the show, I'm going to ask you to jump on iTunes and rate and review us because that helps us climb the charts in the sexuality category and spread the word that married sex is the hotbed for sex. And so... With all of the intro stuff out of the way, let me tell you just a brief intro about Dr. Tina Sellers, that she has a book out, Sex, God, and the Conservative Church, Erasing Shame from Sexual Intimacy. She's a marriage and family therapist, sex therapist, and is also the director of medical family therapy at the Seattle Pacific University. And so, Dr. Sellers, I have to say, I am honored to have you join us and the Sexy Marriage Nation today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So did I miss anything about... Uh, I also run an institute. I can talk about that a little bit later. Perfect. Perfect. So, but the thing that intrigues me most about your work is probably because it aligns with my experience um, Mm -hmm. of, of growing up in a church and that being a conservative church, and it's one of those arenas where a lot of what was taught in, when it comes to sex and sexuality was silence. Right. Or the unspoken, and sometimes even spoken, uh, don't do it. You know, stay away from it. It's bad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's horrible. Save it for somebody you love. <laughs> kind, exactly. Kind of a thing. Exactly. And, and that seems to align exactly with what brought about your book and the work that you've got going. Is that, is that accurate? Is that how you kind of stumbled upon where you've landed? Yeah, it is. I One of the courses that I teach at Seattle Pacific University, I teach graduate marriage and family therapy students. And um, I teach them as they one of the courses they have to teach, they have to take is the human sexuality course. It's required for licensure. Mm-hmm. And I have them 
write their sexual autobiography. And most people, when they hear that, they're like, wow, you You have them do what? Right. You know, really, if you're going to go see a therapist, you want your therapist to be clear about the stories in their life. Yep. Absolutely. And growing up in our country where we have no comprehensive sex education, your sexual story can exist almost not in a narrative form. Okay. Most people grow up in silent or silent and shaming homes. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't learn about sexuality, it's like you have, oh, I remember that time I was kissed or oh, I remember getting in trouble, but it's really not a cohesive story inside of us. Right. But we have all these biases that live in us. So if you're sitting with a client and you're not aware of your story and you're not aware of your biases, and then somebody tells you something, then you're going to react, right? right? You're going to respond, right? And so in our program, we actually have our students write aspects of their story in many, many different classes. Mm -hmm. So that's not an unusual thing. Yeah. So they have, I don't know, 60 or 70 questions. So they look at family of origin all the way back around gender and sexuality. I walk them all the way through you know, their childhood, their adolescence, and their adulthood, looking at uh, many, many different things. So at the end of it all, it is a cohesive narrative. Right. And they can look at their legacy. So I've read well over 500 of these in my career. And around the year 2000, I started to notice a radical shift in what I came to call sexual shame. Okay. So how that showed up is there was a dramatic increase in humiliation and disgust around how they felt about their body and their own identity as a sexual being. Okay. As they thought about what they had done or even not done, felt or not felt about their sexuality or thought of as they were growing up. And yet what they were describing to me was no different than any other cohort of students that I'd ever had before. Okay. And this happened that year, the next year, the next year. And I realized I had hit something and I just really wasn't sure what it was that I hit. So it took me a little bit to figure it out. And, and honestly, the, um, how they felt was so dramatically different and so awful that I was in tears over it. And so I began to ask questions and I found that what I was hitting was the first wave of students that had uh, begun. They, they had been affected by the abstinence only education program that was affected was hitting the United States really peaked in the early nineties. And then some of these kids were also getting the purity messages in their youth group. And you know, that's when the pieces of pizza were being passed around (laughs) and the apples and the spinning in the cup. I mean, I didn't know about any of this stuff. I grew up in the Jesus movement. It was really different. (laughs) It was totally different. You know, this sort of love and peace and, you know, totally different. Yep. I got you. Yeah. And um, so I, I was I was shocked. And and then the other thing is these people were also those who were partnered were describing levels of sexual dysfunction in their partnerships, in their marriages 
that I had never seen in people in their 20s before. Okay. So pelvic pain disorders, vaginismus, erecti- erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it in kids. Not happening that early as far as age and newness of a relationship. Right. I'd never seen it. And so it it was just shocking to me. So, so, so I was seeing this and then my own personal background, my childhood, I was raised by Swedish immigrants. Um, And so Swedes can tend to be very, very body positive. They give a lot of sex education because that's really typical. It's been typical in Sweden since the 40s. Okay. So I grew up in this very positive family around bodies and sexuality. People talked about sex all the time. They talked about like, go brush your teeth. Right. And it was like, you know, and so it was this huge contrast and, and it really was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I had become a Christian in my adolescence but like I said, it was in the seventies where it was just a very different time yep. frame. You know, like you were really popular if you came to know Jesus and also got off LSD, which was <laughs> not my testimony. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> so but... It's just a very different yep. you know, thing. And, um, yeah, I, I had to do a lot of investigating and then I thought, boy, I don't think the church has any notion that the symptoms that my students are dealing with is exactly like somebody who's experienced childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And so the church is involved actually in sexually abusing kids. It has no idea that that's what it's doing in essence. Um, That's not its intent, obviously. Right. That in fact is what's happening. And I need to start researching this, writing about it, talking about it, because this was never God's intent. Right. And we need to do this right. Yes, exactly. Because that's the whole uh, the whole arena of it, don't don't we do this sometimes as parents even uh, that if sure. I'm not willing to address something that miss and lack of information can actually cause damage that I'm not right. even recognizing. And right. so the church has seemed to take that stance of, no, we this is not an area we want to even explore, because I think what you run into that whole, if we talk about it, people are going to go do it. Well, mm-hmm. okay. there. You know, if you're talking about sex and sexuality, people are doing it anyway, yeah, in some manner, exactly. shape, or form. Right. And, and fear so often takes us in the wrong direction. Yep. You know, it's like... Oh, you know, I don't want you to drive a car, so I'm going to hide the keys, right? (laughs) Well, they're going to find the keys. They're going to get in the car. They're going to drive. Yep. It's much, much better to say, I want to teach you all about a car. Yep. I want to teach you how. And so that you can appreciate, yes, there's a reason we have you wait. Yes. You know, they're a ton of fun. Yeah. I want you to learn all about it. And you're going to understand why we have you wait a little while. Yeah. Because getting on the freeway. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to want to (laughs) wait. You're going to want to wait. And then you're going to want to do it. And I'm going to want you to do it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. But you are going to want to wait. And you appreciate it with knowledge. Yes, exactly. Because that's the same kind of thing. Keep, you know, yeah, it's the same yes. kind of thing we do with with sexuality. That it, it, t- tell me if I'm wrong. That the what I've seen uh, in my practice, and then just from the sex imagination and the feedback that we get, um, 
there's there's a disconnect but as far as society or the culture is going with sex as far as just a physical thing versus the other components of it with yes. the emotional and the spiritual and the mental and the world is almost proposing it's a commodity just as the act but it it's not touching the other sides of it which in marriage you can't avoid those things in any committed relationship you can't avoid the con- the confluence of all of that yes and it seems like at some point that became such a vast shift that i i see kids like my kids you know i have a 13 and an 11 year old and we t- we try to talk about it at the dinner table and, and it's very open and i mean they're being raised by a therapist so you know how that goes that, that i do <laughs> so, <laughs> so exactly so but it's one of those that um, it's it's that idea of I want to equip you because you're going to want to do this, like like driving on the highway. You know, it's going to be a part of what life is, but we've got to make sure there's enough knowledge because it's not just one thing. It's a it's a multiple of things. Exactly, exactly. And part of what makes sexuality wonderful is all the other stuff. Correct. All combined together. Correct. You know, and we research shows that when you give kids all the information along the way, you know, open conversations at every step along the way, they actually get involved with sex later make safer sexual choices. And when they're adults, they have more varied, satisfying sexual relationships. They do understand like, oh yeah, it's a lot of different stuff. I actually want to be pickier about who I get involved (laughs) with. And guess what? Kids don't grow up really fast. So I'm going to, I end up wanting to wait because the really cool people are older. (laughs) You know, they're kind of jerks when they're in high school. Yep. You know, yeah, and it just it naturally happens that way. Okay, it just naturally happens. Yes, it does. That way. And so, you know? so what do we do then? As because I think there's two ways we can take this conversation. One is how do we impart to to the next generation? You know, how do we shift? Because you're you're noticing a all of a sudden there was some sort of a a, a dynamic shift that yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. And so s- several people in the sex imagination, that's them, that they are they're They grew up in that they are in it's impacting them directly. And so yeah. that's one side of the conversation we need to at least address quickly. Right. And then the other side still is how do we carry it forward to make sure if that wasn't what I'm impacted by, I have people in my life that might have been. How do right. I change that and, and be an influence in a better way? Yeah. Well, you are exactly naming exactly where my head went when I saw all of this. This That's exactly where my head went. You know, I asked first asked the question, did did Christianity ever get it right? Did we ever have a sex positive or or what I would call a new covenant? Right. Sexual ethic and sexual ethic based on what I understood Jesus ministry to to be, because it was very body positive, sex positive, you know, all of that. And so I traced it back and we really never did. We, we built our sexual ethic based on the mind body split that was already in place in culture from the philosophers Mm -hmm. that was in place 300 
years before and very patriarchal. And, and it got going when Constantine became the emperor and he basically started the empire church, you know, and the right. men were vying over who was more spiritual based on who could deny the body. That's what was going on. Okay. And so they were like, okay, you know, you, 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 you guys are the bishops or you guys are the whatever, you know, and they were all denying the body. That's what they were doing. I'm more spiritual than you. And then when they couldn't do it well enough, the women were around to blame. And that's what we've been doing ever since. You know, the body's bad, the spirit's good. And if I can't do it, it's her fault. Okay. And we're still doing that. Okay. So, so then I just went further back and I, I said, well, on the Abrahamic line, did we have anything sex positive? And then I found these beautiful stories in Hebrew writing and Hebrew mystic writing. And, and then I saw, oh, it's there. It's all there. We have this relentless, very erotic God chasing mm -hmm. after his people saying your sexuality is on purpose. You will see that I love you right here. This is one of the places I love you and you will find me communing with you here mm -hmm. when you're honoring you, you're honoring me and you're honoring who you're with. And it's just, there are all these amazing stories. And so those are all in the book. And so, so I put the book there because I kept like you probably having people come into my office saying, I need to figure out how to heal yeah. the sexual shame that is has determined how we do our sexuality in our relationship. Right. It's not working. How do I heal? And so in the book is, this is how we got to this history. Here is the history we should have gotten right. because it's there. Right. God has it there. It's here. So you're, you're going to be okay. Here is a model for how you heal. Right. So we developed an evidence-based model for how you heal. And then here are touch and non-touch practices you can actually put in your relationship that will help you know how to actually integrate your sexuality and your spirituality, how to actually use touch and, and your faith to heal you mm -hmm. because we don't always know how to do that if that's not <laughs> right. What, right what was there. So I think that kind of takes care of that because that's what people were asking for. And, Absolutely. And I, I didn't know if it was there. So I went looking for it. Okay. But then the other thing, which is what you're asking for too. And that's what I'm hearing from is I've got so many parents that are like, I have no idea where to begin because it's so not what happened for me. How, how do I know what to do with my own kids or with the children that are in my life? Because every time they find their happy places. I freeze. Right. Right. I don't know what to do. Right. Because I just am re I'm just a ball of reactivity inside myself. You know, I just want to go. Ugh, right. You know. Right. And um, so that's actually the book I'm working on right now is, okay. you know, how. So here's what kids do it too. This is what they naturally do. Yep. Here's what it's going to do inside of you. <laughs> yep. Right. And here's what you need to do for you to deal with your shame. Okay. This is what you need. Right. Right. Sort of calm yourself. And then here's what your two-year-old needs. Okay. This is what you say and do with a two-year-old. 
so that they can know that this is their body and this yep. is normal and yep. this is a happy thing, right? And then here's what three-year-olds do and here's what four-year-olds do and here's what they bring up you because most of us don't know the develop, even if you pick up most developmental books with kids, it'll tell you all kinds of develop- developmental things, but it won't tell you how they sexually develop. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's the other things that the doc will take care of and monitor and all that kind of stuff. They don't do, yes. they don't do behind the curtain. <laughs> no, it's okay. so true. You know, I speak at medical conferences and I'm often asked to speak on sexual development. And and the the docs, I'm like, you can do this at the well child visit. Yes. Honestly, it takes 30 seconds. And yeah. they're like, really? And I'm like, yes, yeah. please, please. <laughs> and that freaks me out. I can't bring that up. <laughs> I know. Okay, the, so the doctors are just as scared because they yes. didn't get the training either. And that's what, okay, you know? so what's interesting to me, Tina, is that you're talking about of uh, a, a, a philosophy or a worldview of relationships that's very similar to the sexy marriage radio message in that there's something deeper going on here and that our relationships yeah. are designed to just really help us grow up. That's the whole yes. point. Yes. That there's something, uh, you know, magical even that I think God put in place. To help us be better, and why not put us with somebody that we're going to love and drive us crazy and reveal all of our shame just yes. by them being around us? And then if they don't do a good enough job, we're going to have children that will do it for them. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that so you get this whole, you know, just melting yeah. pot of of just anxiety provoking things that yeah. just make us have to deal with ourselves. The, I, I totally agree. I call that the spiritual. Uh, that's the spiritual nature of our attached relationships, which are marriage and children. Okay. That, and, and I think if people knew that before they walked down the aisle, they wouldn't be so surprised. Yes. Because it's only a matter of time where the spiritual discipline <laughs> of marriage yep. and parenting pop up. Yep, exactly. That, that's what allows me yeah. when a couple comes down and sits in front of me and tells me their whole story. And I look at them yeah. with this blank face going, Okay. What else is wrong? Because what you're describing is supposed to happen. Yeah, your marriage is working. Yeah, well done. Welcome to married life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me kind of, uh, because I I would not be doing the Sexy Marriage Nation service if, if we didn't spend at least a little bit of time as we wrap this up on, if, if this directly impacts you, a, a listener, right, that they are ones that, okay, wait, this is me. This is, this is the world I've been in. I see my sex life and my sexuality just covered with shame. Yeah. What, what do they need? What's, what's some best things they can do? I mean, obviously, the book will go into even more detail. Right. But, but what are some other things that, that we can touch on that do help them see, hey, okay, I can, I can deal with that. I could try this. And if, if, you'd, if you'd speak there for a second. You bet. Yeah. So I'll just, I'm just going to briefly talk about the model that's in the book, you know, and I I call it taking care of the mess and mess stands for a model for erasing sexual shame, taking care of the mess. Okay. Good. And there are four things and it's frame, name, claim, and aim. Okay. Okay. So frame is you're going to build a frame or a scaffolding of sex education. Okay. So the thing that actually is the foundation of our shame is we don't know anything. We right. were never right. given the right. education. And so, 
so much of our shame is built on mythology, mm-hmm. stuff we picked up from movies mm-hmm. and from TV and media and pornography even, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so much of that is not true. And so, and then, and then we got weird things at church and <laughs> from our pastor, they meant well, but it's not helpful. Yep. So actually, like if you go to, um, www.nwioi.com. That's okay. the Northwest Institute on Intimacy. There's a resource page. There is things just on sex education. You can just get some Perfect. books and just start reading Perfect. and go, oh my gosh, like this is the truth of your body. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. God made it that way on purpose. Learn all about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's frame. Name is... Tell your story about how you grew up in your home. Find one at least safe other that will hear your story, right? We all want to be seen, known, loved, and accepted. God made us that way. Someone needs to hear you and go, so I'm so sorry, sweetheart. You were never meant to go through that. You know, so many of us just went through um, growing up in a way that was so shaming and we weren't ever meant to go through that. And shame is a hard time living inside compassion and grace and empathy. Right. It is thrives right. in silence. Right. It thrives. Right. So that's frame, name, claim is begin to claim your body as a good thing. In our culture, our economy is driven on us hating our bodies. Yes. Seeing it as wrong, yeah. bad, otherwise. Because if we do, we'll keep going into surgery, we'll keep spending money, we'll keep whatever. Yep. So we get 3,000 advertisements a day coming at us trying to make us feel bad. I come from Swedish stock. I'm at least 40 pounds overweight, according to American standards. This body ain't ever going to be different. (laughs) I mean, honestly, (laughs) we are made the way that we are. God loves diversity. We do not, none of us should go to our deathbeds and realize we spent X number of years hating this body that we were in simply because of the American culture we live in. Right. So we need to start learning to claim it and celebrate it and be like, dang, I got up this morning. This is a good thing. Yep. It's yeah. (laughs) This is, this is the best thing that can happen right now. Yeah. So frame name and claim. When we start working those three things, we begin to aim, which is write a new legacy for ourselves. So this legacy we've been given never gets passed down again. And we pass down something else that we love and that we like that, that, you know, those are the things that I always say, start working on those babies and you'll start to feel entirely different. Right. And you can change this in one, I watch people change it in one generation. Absolutely. Because you start, this goes back to what we just talked about on the nature of relationships, that when I start taking myself differently and handling the way I feel about myself or view myself, it will impact those I'm in relationship with and do life with dramatically without me doing anything other than that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's great. So, Tina, how else? I mean, you mentioned the website, and I'll put this stuff on the in the show notes. Okay, but but great. tell me, tell tell the Sex Emerge Nation how else they can find you. Okay, so you can find me on 
tinashermersellers.com and I'll spell that out. So it's www.tinashermersellers.com. That's my website. Okay. Then you can find me at um, www.nwioi.com. That's my institute. And that's where we train therapists and physicians to get training in sexual health and sexual dysfunction. So I say, send your therapist to us. We will, and your doctors, we will help them get the training that they need. Um, we have tons of resources there. We also have a really fun community-built website called thankgodforsex.org where you can go and hear people tell their stories about growing up in a conservative place and then starting to heal and like being like, I thank God for sex finally. Exactly. And we've got got just fun stuff on there that is there for people. So there's three places that you can go. That's perfect. I would say also get my book and if you like it, write a review on it because like with um, podcasts, it helps the yes. book get out there. Yes. And this is one of those books. Let me just say this straight out to the Sexy Marriage Nation. This is one of those books that needs to be in huge quantities to people because whether, because the one thing we keep in, I mean, you're a confirmation of this. The one thing that is definitely hitting and impacting married sex is shame. Yeah, And there's a lot of things that come into making it what it is that, that make it such a hurdle. And just the practical things that you've written, the practical things you've brought here today, those are things that we start to confront shame better by just getting it out in the open, being heard, being seen, being valued, and then actually being loved. Yeah. And, and I'll say one thing about the book. You know, the book took 11 years to write. It is written to therapists and to clients right and it's actually like three books in one even though it's little right (laughs) so it says how we got here yep it says how you heal and then it says what you can actually do in your marriage to make it better so it is does have an academic price tag but it's it's really you know, which I didn't get to choose. Right. But it's it's but really it's, a worthwhile book. Yes, it and is. And you can take it to your therapist. Yes, even. it is. All right. Well, Tina, I have to say thank you very much for coming along for the ride today. Thanks and, for and, having me. And taking us through your world and your lens. Um, I, this, this is going to be a benefit to everybody that hears it. I just know that already. Great. Thanks. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Uh, if we left something undone or... Uh, you want more, let us know. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.